Welcome to the Concordia Publishing House podcast, where we consider everything in the light of Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm your host, Elizabeth Pittman. At the recent National Lutheran Youth Workers Conference, a group of 60 teens who were attending as part of the Youth Lead Program were asked a relatively simple question. That question was, what do you want adults to know? The youth went back and took time to wrestle with this question and shared their results with the conference attendees. Our guest today is Juliana Schultz, who has the privilege of working with the Youth Lead students and is a member of the Office of National of National Youth Ministry at the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Juliana is going to walk us through the feedback that these teens had for us as adults. I think you'll find the conversation quite interesting and thought-provoking. But before we jump in, I'd like to thank our friends at the LCMS Foundation for their support of the CPH podcast. If you can imagine a future where your God-given gifts continue to benefit your family and faith after you're called home to heaven, the LCMS can help you create a gift plan so that your assets, things like your home or land or your retirement accounts, will leave a lasting impact on the people you love and the ministries you care about the most. Learn more about creating a gift plan at lcmsfoundation.org. Now on to our conversation with Juliana. Well, hi, Juliana. How are you today? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm good. We made it through some technology gremlins that were messing with our systems. And here we are finally. How's everything at the Synod? Really well. Um, exciting times. There's lots, lots going on, especially as we kind of get ready for a national youth gathering this upcoming summer and another youth lead this spring. So there's a lot to be doing, but it's all, it's all really fantastic stuff. It is all great stuff. And the, the premise of our conversation today springs out of youth lead. Um, why don't you tell our listeners what youth lead is and then some of the cool things about it, because I, I have personal experience with it back in the day, like a lifetime ago, I was in the earlier version of it. And my son has done it now once and has really been, um, uh, positively impacted by it. So tell us what youth lead is. Yeah. So youth lead actually, it wasn't always known as youth lead. Uh, it started over 40 years ago and we called it Lutheran youth fellowship. Um, it was a program uh, that came out of LCMS youth ministry here in the synodical offices and, um, really was designed to help. How can we shore up? How can we support? How can we care for congregational youth ministries? Um, and they did that in a lot of different ways. But one of the kind of key ways that they did that was an annual leadership training that happened here in St. Louis. Um, and when it first started, it was um, districts would send young people representatives. Those representatives would go back to districts, lead district-wide uh, you know, trainings to help train young people to go back into their congregation. So it kind of had a very top down, but like that was one of the big things. And there are a ton of really phenomenal um, lay and professional uh, youth workers who, who got trained uh, at Lutheran Youth Fellowship, who got to experience that either at the national or at the district level. Um, that's been going on for a really long time. And uh, we uh, are really blessed. God has really blessed that experience for a lot of people. And um, Terry Dittmer ran it for a very long time, Reverend Terry Dittmer, um, Jessica Bordalo, both uh, did phenomenal jobs. Um, and then in this last couple of years, uh, we have done a little bit of tweaking to the name just so that people know kind of what it is, but we continue to do um, a national leadership training 
here in St. Louis in the spring. Um, starting about five or six years ago, we opened that up to congregations. So you don't have to be coming from a district. Like anybody can come to that national training. Uh, you need to be a high schooler. Uh, we want you to kind of be interested in leadership in some capacity. That's really the focus. And we do a couple of things there. The first thing that we do is we run them through kind of discipleship uh, curriculum where we're, we're learning in, in God's word and we're studying together. But as we do that, we're teaching them how to teach that curriculum back home, right? So uh, it's modeled that I don't teach that curriculum. Our young executive team, which is an elected group of high schoolers, they lead the curriculum as a model and then they teach them how to teach it. And then we have other sessions that happen throughout the course of that training that help develop things like their, their gifts and their skills using strength finders or other vocations. We talk about church work. So lots of great things. That national event happens. We make that curriculum available for free uh, afterwards. And then uh, we coordinate with, with other groups to try and help support young leadership across the Senate. So um, that's a little bit of the history <laughs> of what we're doing now. Um, and so it was really great this last year weren't able to have our spring event because COVID restrictions, but we were able to have it alongside the National Lutheran Youth Workers Conference in Houston, which was uh, a unique opportunity, but really, really fantastic as well. So I was able to be at the, the Youth Workers Conference and my son came along and did Youth Lead for the first time. And it was really cool as a parent and as an alumni of what is now known as Youth Lead to just watch and to see the kids and to see, you know, it, it does my heart good to see some of the same things that were elements of the program. Well, a lot of them actually, when I went through it that he has, I still have my little bag of affirmation notes from when I was yeah. in high school and, and to see him come back to the room with his little bag, which he wouldn't let me look at. I tried to, and he snatched them away very quickly. Um, I was like, this, this is cool because it, it it's a neat way to, for youth from across the country who are, you know, involved in their churches, interested in leadership to get to know each other at a, a young age. And I look at the people that I came up through the program with, there's seminary professors, there's Concordia University profs, there's any number of Lutheran pastors and teachers. And so it's really cool to see these people popping up um, in leadership roles now, all these years later, um, the years are going by too quickly, but um, it's kind of cool to see where they land and then as we were talking before we started, my, my son now is forming these connections with, with faithful kids from across the country. And it's cool to see those relationships develop. Yeah, I, I think that is one of the um, huge benefits of this program. And it has been the entire time. I think it's, you know, we did a, our evaluation process a few years ago and it just kept coming up again and again that um, the, the program that, uh, OIF and, and now Youth Lead, what it did was help connect young people who are very passionate about their church, who are incredibly engaged in their faith and, and their local congregation, uh, to have other like-minded young people who get them, who um, they can talk to, who they can trust, and, um, and in this opportunity to have this training together, that time together really just fosters some really phenomenal relationships, and in uh, that carries out and that support system carries out. And, and I wish I could take credit for it. It's, I mean, it's the Holy Spirit at work in a lot of ways. It, I mean, like I, um, 
have, I know that they continue to talk on social media and text and have group texts and um, check in with each other and support one another, uh, have really great conversations. We don't necessarily prompt that. That's <laughs> completely organic, um, but those relationships really have um, a powerful effect and and it's great because they can come back year after year um you know we have it every year and so you can come several times in your high school career and that gives them an opportunity to kind of reconnect over time with with the same people um which even deepens that relationship it, it's such a cool thing to be a part of but also to watch it growing now in this younger generation because it's 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 a neat way for them to see the bigger church at work among their age group and to see who's out there and, and what they're doing. Um, plus it's kind of fun to hang out with teenagers over the it course is. of the time. They're, 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 you know, they, they can challenge us as adults um, and as parents, but when you get them together, they're a really neat group of kids. I love, well, I love junior high and high school students. You know, I'm trained as a director of Christian education. I love all ages, but, um, but I, I love high school students in particular. And, and they, uh, they teach me a lot. Um, they're incredibly insightful. Um, they're very thoughtful. Uh, they uh, often uh, keep me on my toes when it comes to making sure you know, I'm in God's word and we're starting everything with prayer and we're, <laughs> and we're talking about, you know, they just, I, I love working with high school students and, and especially the youth lead students uh, that I get to spend uh, a little more extra time with. Um, I love tracking them and how God uses them as they go into other things and um, catching up and making sure that uh, we get to see how, where God leads them next after they, they do uh, their time with us. So at the, at the youth workers conference this past summer, um, there was a lot of conversation and training for the adult leaders. And as, as we were going through those sessions there, and it didn't just happen here. It happens a lot where we have a lot of conversations about generational differences and trying to understand the different generations and what do we do about Gen Z and what about, you know, the all these, all the teens, how do we relate to them? And it's all well and good for us as adults to try to understand it and to look at things, but there's really no substitute from hearing directly from the, the people that we're trying to understand. And so I thought it was really neat how um, one of the, the question was asked in one of the, the large groups, what do our teenagers, we have these youth lead students here with us, what do they want us to know as adult leaders? Um, so it, it was great to be able to hear directly from them. And that's going to get into the heart of what we're going to talk about today. So tell us a little bit about what the teens, how that process worked, because you have, you had the bird's eye view onto of the conversations with the teens. We heard the results. Um, but tell us a little bit about how the teens reacted to that question. And then we'll jump into the, the, I think it was seven things that they wanted us to know. Uh, well, I have a feeling it was more than seven, but we got seven. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was so fascinating. So uh, as a part of the National Lutheran Youth Workers Conference, we had Cassie Moore come on and she um, talked from the main stage about Gen Z um, and, and gave a lot of data <laughs> and, um, and just uh, almost an overwhelming amount of data, right? And, and generational data, I love. I read a lot of... <laughs> you spent a lot of time digging into it. 
I am a research nerd. And so I love all the charts, trying to figure them out, trying to figure out what, you know, what they're saying and how do we understand them as a church? It's like one of my favorite things. Um, and so, but we, we have to recognize that like data only gives a 10,000 foot view, right? Um, research and, and statistics give us kind of a huge bird's eye view of what we would say about a generation overall. But that doesn't tell us the foot-to-foot -foot view between you and, and a young person, right? Um, so we need both. Uh, we need to kind of understand the, the fuller scope of, of what our data is telling us, but also we need to know, you know, the, the young person personally and get to know them. And so um, I was really excited when after that, uh, the, the adult said like, okay, but we want to know about these kids. <laughs> The ones that are in the room, uh, we heard a lot. What do they think? Um, and that was such a beautiful moment. Um, and uh, I, I can ask permission from the stage, which is probably a little pressure for them. I don't know what their their take on that was, but um, they thought they could pull it off. And so we spent a little bit of time uh, in our group, um, both in our, uh, we had about uh, 62 people there. So we, in our big group and then mostly in our little groups. So we had small groups as a part of that and just kind of talked out what, what that was. And then um, they came up with a bunch of notes. Our executive team took all the notes from all the input from everybody and they tried to mull that down into sort of three things that they um, presented on the stage. Uh, high intensity moment for them. Uh, but honestly, like uh, they ran with it. I uh, just sort of great. watched and made sure that they had what they needed. Um, and uh, a couple of times I tried to step in, they, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and truly they did. They, um, they were able to take a lot of information, boil it down to three things. They, then they presented that. Uh, which was fantastic. But then they came back and said, but we have all these other notes. And I said, yeah, we can, let's, let's figure out how to get that out to people. So we took that, wrote a lot of that down, kind of coalesced that into a bigger article that then we put on the e-source. So it was, it was kind of fun after that session that night, I asked my son, I said, so tell me what you thought. And he went exactly to where you just made that distinction between the 10,000 foot level and the foot to foot and knowing the person in front of you in his, his comment, he rattled off a number of data points and he said, this doesn't, this, this isn't my experience. And then he went on to explain. And so it led to a great conversation about how you do need both. And you've got to have, you, you look at statistics as a starting point and then you go deeper and you make sure that you have that real connection. Um, but it also reminded me that these kids are smart and they're watching and they're listening and they're evaluating what they're hearing um, and so that kind of leads to, so you, you took those notes and you put them on the UV source. And I think you put seven there. Um, the first one was don't generalize our generation. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. I, I mean, I think one of the, the things that I often hear in the church, especially from um, people of different generations, and, and I'll be honest, I hear it from both Gen Z and from boomers, Xers, millennials, everybody sort of is guilty of this, of sort of um, either pointing the finger at somebody else or making really broad generalizations about a generation based on any number of things, whether that's data or whether that's just media or whether that's just assumptions they make about everything from their 
relationships to their technology usage, right? Um, and so uh, I think <laughs> particularly for that group in that moment, after hearing a lot of this Gen Z data, I mean, there's a couple of things that they pulled out. One of them was some of this doesn't relate to my, like this isn't, this connect with me. Some of it is, doesn't connect with me, but it might connect with my friends and that makes me concerned or worried. And how do I support mm -hmm. my friends? Some of it is like, yeah, we get that. Um, so, so maybe not making assumptions. <laughs> they don't want you to make assumptions about who they are or what's true for them. They, they really want you to get to know um, them, that they're worth getting to know, um, that uh, they don't want you to assume one thing or the other just because they're in high school or just because they're a part of a generation, or just because other teenagers are doing things. Um, so I, I appreciate that they want to be seen as, as unique individuals because they are. That's how God, God made them. And um, so not to make kind of generalized assumptions. And, and I'm always surprised, I think, uh, I've heard from several young people who say like, hey, I know older people in my church who use social media to put out funny memes, but they make fun of us and, and that's hurtful. And so I think having as an adult, be able to watch how I talk about teenagers and how I talk about their generation. Um, the way I talk about that, they're listening and they're paying attention to that. And they, they take that to heart. They, they do. And they may not react openly, but they're definitely internalizing it and, and yeah. making, you know, decisions about how they're going to interact in those relationships based on what they're seeing. Um, another point that the youth brought out is that we, we can't assume that youth don't want to be involved. They actually, they want to be involved and to be given the opportunity to lead. They do. I know very few young people who are, who don't uh, today, who, who don't want to have a say, who don't want to have some sort of role. And, and not everyone wants to be the upfront leader. Some of them do. Uh, some of them don't, some of them, but they all want to be able to have um, responsibilities, trust, respect. They want to be a part of what's going on. Uh, they're definitely not, uh, I'm going to make a generalization about Gen Z. Gen Z in general is not a really passive generation. They're very active. They're very passionate. They want to be um, a doing things. Uh, they are not uh, ones to kind of sit back and kind of let uh, things happen around them. And so taking advantage of that, I think as a church, uh, sometimes we're not ready for as much as they want to be uh, engaged and involved. And that can, that can be a hard push and pull for the church. Um, well, and I think to get them involved and to, for us as the older generations, to release our grip and, and our sense that, you know, we need to wait until they're older. One, that's just doing harm. Um, but it's, it actually is, it will help our youth stay connected to the church after confirmation, after they've graduated and gone off to college, having them involved on that real level early and often is, is better, I believe, from the research that I've seen come out of your office for them to stay, stay connected for a lifetime. Absolutely, it is. And, and sometimes that takes uh, 
effort on our part to give them that long leash that they need. Uh, that's one of the th- terms that they used a lot uh, when we were talking about this was that we need a long leash. I think they said that on the stage too. And, and I uh, honestly, like I, I'm guilty of that myself in doing youth ministry is being like, okay, I'm happy to let you lead as long as you stay really close and I can watch everything that you're doing. And I can and make I- sure. And I get to approve and, and give my right. blessing to everything that you're going to do. And you do it my way. Right. And that's not, that's not helpful. And as a leader, I would hate it if somebody did that to me. Right. Uh, so uh, it has taken uh, some time and effort for me. And I know it is for other people as well to say, okay, here's the thing. And I trust you. Uh, and I'm going to be here to support you. And I'll give you the things that you need, but you do this. Um, and I'm going to, um, I'm going to back away and you let me know what you need. Uh, and the reality is they are incredibly capable. I mean, we were at national and I, uh, we had, a, a, don't be worried. We had adults in the room, but like <laughs> they, they ran a huge chunk at high school and college age teens ran a huge chunk of that event without me. Um, they, they had it. Um, at one point, the only thing they needed from me was to get them coffee. <laughs> okay with that right um and and we would never get to, to have both that experience for them um and the development that gives them if I'm not um able to to step back and give them that opportunity well it's a safe place for them to learn how to lead and learn how to experience you know some of the mistakes and the successes that come along with leadership in that environment where they do have caring adults who are invested in them um, standing in the wings, waiting to help. So it's, it's a, it's a cool way for them to really get that experience and to get that confidence that comes from that. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't think my son has started drinking coffee yet, but I did see him squirrel away a few Mountain Dews on that (laughs) that trip. (laughs) Um, you know, and I don't think what I've found is it's hard to understand teens and it's hard to understand what they're going through because our experience as teenagers was vastly different than what they have today. Um, thank goodness. I am so grateful that I didn't have social media when I was in high school and college. Um, so, but they, they don't need us to pretend they, they, they don't want us to pretend that we understand because frankly, they're going to see right through us. Right. Uh, that's one thing that I think this, I, I find over and over when I work with high schoolers, which is they are excellent at smelling out if you are trying to take them in something or trying to sell them something, yep. you're not authentic. Uh, they want you to be who you are um, and they want you to be honest and open. And so part of us is not pretending to understand if you don't understand something that's going on with them. Um, so in LCMS Youth Ministry, we often tell adults, uh, hey, you were a teenager once, and so you have a level of expertise on what it means to be a teenager, but you are not a teenager right now. Um, and that's a different beast altogether. Um, you didn't have, I didn't have cell phone. I didn't have social media. I didn't have um, a lot of the external pressures that, that we see for our teenagers today. Um, I was not nearly as conscious of what was going on in the world as many of our teenagers are today, uh, they are truly really engaged in a lot of things that are going on in, in their community and in the world. Um, and so there's a limitation to how, um, 
you can be very empathetic, but there's a limitation to what you're going to understand. They're okay with that. That doesn't mean you don't listen to them, doesn't mean you can't pray with them, doesn't mean you can't support them, doesn't mean you can't ask really good questions um, and follow up and, and engage with them, but don't pretend like you totally get what their experience is like right now, because you don't. Well, and we wouldn't, this is going to lead into the next point, we wouldn't do that with our peers. And I think some of this is us as adults understanding that they are growing up. And I love this with my kids as they get older. I love watching these adult conversations that come out of that we have with them because they are growing into adults and they're, they have a lot to say. And so we can't treat them like they're still six years old. Right. I'm always amazed. Um, I actually heard research and this was a long time ago um, that they were able to say like kids can tell when you're just talking to them to talk to them or when you genuinely mm-hmm. want to talk to them, even if they're little, yeah, they, they know use for when you're just like, um, how was school today versus like, you know, what did you do at school today? Right. They, they get that teenagers get it when you're, um, only talking to them because you feel like you have to, or, um, they get that when, uh, when they're being treated like um, they're children. And they're in some ways, like they are, they're yeah. still children, <laughs> you know, and they're, they're not adults yet. Um, they're in that weird adolescent in-between phase. And in that in-between, I think for me, it's, um, it's easier to connect when I connect with them and treat them with the same level of honesty and respect and interest and authenticity that I would um, with any other adult. Um, now, that doesn't mean I don't have good boundaries because I still have to have good boundaries <laughs> as an adult um, and I still have to have reasonable expectations. I don't think they're asking for that, but I do think that what they're asking for is that level of, of um, authenticity, respect, trust that you would put into a re- any other relationship or conversation with another adult. What do, what are you hearing from the teens about including them in important decisions? You're talking about trusting, trusting them. And like, if we trust them, we might want to let them have input. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we saw that in our research, right? We saw that the desire to have um, what we call it meaningful contributions. Um, You know, the, the teens talked about wanting to be included in decisions. Um, but we know that, um, it's important for everyone in the church, old, young, but, and teenagers included to have a voice in, in what's going on and have a voice in, um, what ministry looks like and what's going on in their church. And, um, I think we (laughs) sometimes, uh, limit that input that we get from them and we don't necessarily listen to the questions they're asking because we assume that they don't understand or we <laughs> or um, we we assume that they, what they're going to suggest isn't going to be possible or appropriate and, and I don't ever find that to be true often uh, at least I can say when I work with teenagers and I um, lay out a situation 
they often ask very insightful questions, questions that I might not have even asked. And they're going to sometimes come up with solutions that I would have never thought of. They don't have our baggage. Right. <laughs> right. Um, they're incredibly creative. Um, and, and yeah, it's going to take a little bit longer for me to lay out kind of um, and, and talk through things because um, there's things that they're learning. Right. And so um, also while working with teenagers, it's going to be things like, OK, but we don't have a budget for that. Right. And that's like, OK, like we have a limit on a resource that that makes what you think uh, what you want to do kind of not possible for or it needs to be different. Um, but often they uh, have really thoughtful and insightful um, ways that they can give input. And so uh, we suggest, I mean, just to be really practical, like, are you asking them what they want to do in youth ministry? Are you asking them what kind of events they want to do, what they want to study? Um, when you're making decisions as a congregation, are you asking them uh, what, what they think you should be? I mean, they even mentioned like how the budget spent, right? Um, you know, they might have ideas for how we can, um, manage resources um, or use time and space that we have or volunteers that we have uh, better. Uh, they have a lot of really great insights. I, I think we lose that when we don't ask them questions and we don't listen to the insight that they have. And ask the questions, but then again, like we mentioned before, really listen and, and not just dismiss it as like, we check the box that we asked them, we're gonna keep, keep on with what we were planning to do anyway. Uh, that, that will do nothing to build trust going along. How can we help as a, as a congregation, as adults, how can we help welcome our young people into the community of our, of our churches? I am always surprised when I'm in congregations how um, intimidated adults can be in talking to teenagers. Um, like, I don't know whether we... And, and granted, like, I come from a different perspective and the like, I look around in narthex and I'm like, where are the teenagers at? Like, can, uh, <laughs> um, but I, often I hear adults in the general congregation who are like, I don't want to be weird and go talk to them and that's awkward. And I'm like, yeah, it's awkward. Yep. Go do it anyway. Um, because uh, if you're not, uh, if you're not, making eye contact, if you're not smiling, if you're not saying their names, it's, it's really hard for them to feel like they're welcomed and important in this space. Um, so sharing food, sharing conversation, making sure they're invited. Eye contact is this really like strangely small thing, smiling, right? greeting them. I would say particularly greeting them by name if you can. Um, if you're in the congregation, you're wanting a way to help support your young people. Do you know their names? Can you greet them by name every Sunday? Can you come up with a, my thing is always come up with a question you can ask them and ask questions until you find a connection point, right? So I like to ask questions until I find like, oh, they really like the same sports team, bands, whatever, television show, movie, whatever that connection point is that you can then use to kind of build from that. Uh, those are some of those places where they can feel uh, welcomed when there's space for them to be themselves and they're um, and the adults around them are glad that they're there 
they sense that they feel that even if there isn't necessarily it's not a program we're not trying to do um something very uh, uh i think what the right word is there formal or official yeah or yeah like, right it doesn't have to be structured um it can be just hey i'm making sure that the kids in my in my church know that the adults around them see them and 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 love them and want them to be there. Well, and I think that that leads in nicely to the last point and that they do want to have these relationships with adults. And as we help welcome them, we can help build those through some of the things that you mentioned, help build those genuine relationships that are, then they're going to take time because I know, I mean, I'm going to generalize here, but it, it might take four or five, six times of greeting a, a teenager to get something beyond a, hi, Mrs. Pittman. I mean, they keep walking, but then at some point there's going to be a breakthrough and a relationship will be started because they've had a chance to know that we're sincere. Yeah. And, and that means putting aside my own ego, <laughs> my own uh, nervousness, my own awkwardness, my own social desire, right? Like it is way easier for me to just walk up to the people I know at church and, and not do that than it is to take that step out and, and go through five or six times of, um, I'm sorry, as adults, that feels like rejection too. Just like, it's like, that doesn't feel great. Um, uh, and still be able to like, in an appropriate way, just keep at it until, until they know that you, you genuinely want to, to be in that relationship with them. But man, I have to say, like, I, when you can build those really solid supportive relationships with teenagers, um, not only is that a benefit to them, it's a benefit to me. They're, they're uh, fun. They're fun. They're thoughtful. They're interesting. They have really interesting thoughts about the world and, um, and, uh, and about, God and um, how they're living out their vocations and um, their teenagers are not nearly as scary as I think we <laughs> uh, think that they might be as adults um, and in fact they're really a huge blessing not just um, to our church but to us as individuals as adults to have that back and forth um, and I get a chance to um, to spend time with them and often I'm in a situation where I'm teaching them, but uh, uh, getting able to really teach those things, whether that's secular, whether it's in the church, um, helps me to learn better, helps me to, to, to think about new and different ways of, of how, uh, who God is and what he's done. And, and um, it, we had to learn once too, right? So they have to, they have to do that as well. It's, uh, it's really a, a back and forth, right? It's a gift to them to have adults. We want them to have, we always talk about having five supportive adults around each young person. Um, and, and that's incredibly valuable, um, but it's also valuable to the adults right back. Right? So um, yeah, I, I appreciate that, that that's a, a, a back and forth, right? Um, us being willing to feel a little silly and feel awkward. Um, once you get into it, it is really a, a gift. And I think that's how God designed 
uh, us to be, not just uh, with people our own age, but, but with a variety of, of ages. Um, that's how he built the church, right? Uh, because everybody's got something really um, important and valuable to give to each other. I mean, we have no idea what the relationships that we build with our young people will lead to. I mean, I can think back to adults who took a, took an interest in me when I was a teen and I still have connections with them and close relationships. And so it's kind of neat to see how that all progresses over, over the years. So as we start to wrap up, what I'm going to ask you to leave our listeners with a challenge, leave the, what challenge would you issue to Deb Burma started the challenge? So she always had challenges. And so it's kind of spun off into other guests of what do you, what would you leave our listeners with as a challenge this week? Yeah, I would say as an individual, the challenge is, um, do you have a handful of young people in your church who you know their names, who are you in your mind, you want to make sure that you're starting to have some conversations with? Maybe you already have them. What? How are you further engaging them? Um, and if you don't, how can you learn some names? Uh, as simple as that, you know, and making sure they feel welcome. If, especially if you're in church leadership, I would say if you're in church leadership, the challenge is how are you making consistent, deliberate efforts to include um, young people in the input, <laughs> in decision-making, and in leadership itself on an ongoing basis? Where are you consistently, deliberately making those openings available to them? Because they want it, and it will benefit everybody, both the young people and your church in the long run, as you are able to do that. Um, I'm going to throw a little data at the end, which is in our research we found. We did a, a our research 2016-17 millennials in the LCMS research, we found that churches that had one young leader under 32 had much better markers of, of retention overall in the LCMS in their home congregation. Um, it didn't take a lot, it took one leader, but that really does make a difference. So how are you working towards those steps that are gonna make that impact for those young people and for your church? I think that's a, a great point to share. And it, this doesn't have to be complicated. It can be as simple as, as a conversation and getting to know someone's name, as you mentioned. Where can our listeners find more information about the research and the work that your team is doing um, at the Office of National Youth Mission? Yeah, so if you want to look at, um, I believe we still have a few copies of, of the book Relationships Count, which is um, what we have uh, the summary of the research project that we did on millennials and the LCMS and how that impacts our, our way that we treat young people in future generations. Um, so that's available at cph.org. Um, if you want to know more about LCMS youth ministry in general, um, lcms.org backslash youth. Or if you want to know specifically about youth lead, you can go to lcms.org backslash youth lead. Um, you can find us on uh, LCMS Youth on all of the social media channels um, and get all of that. And then our resource website, you heard us mention a couple of times, is youthesource.com. And we'll link to all of those in the notes so that it's easy for listeners to go and, and check those out. And I'd, I'd encourage our listeners if, as you're looking at deepening relationships with the teens in your conversation, go check out the resources because there's a lot of helpful information and can be some really great points to help help you um, jumpstart activities in your church and relationships with your young people. Julia, thank you so much for being with us today. This was fun. 
My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. And listeners, we will see you all next time. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Concordia Publishing House podcast. I pray that this time was valuable to your walk with Christ. We'd love to connect with listeners on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Concordia Pub. Visit cph.org for more resources to grow deeper in the gospel.